everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Have you ever felt like you were speaking to someone about something that felt really important, and then they ask you a question about something completely opposite of what you're speaking about? I know I have. I have four children. But anyway, uh, I think today Jesus is kind of showing a little bit of that when he is teaching his disciples some really important lessons um, and trying to teach them to be aware of certain things that might come along their path that will uh, deceive them. So today we are reading from Matthew chapter 16. Uh, The beginning of chapter 16 opens with the Pharisees and the Sadducees kind of just like badgering Jesus to give them a sign or give them some kind of miraculous moment that they can observe and watch and probably in some way to try to catch him in something. And I was taken aback by what Jesus said. I think maybe I just have heard it in a new way this time around because I feel like I've heard it a thousand times. But when Jesus is answering them, he says in verse two, when it is evening, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be a stormy day for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the times or the signs of the times. And then he basically says like, You're a wicked generation. The only sign that you're going to have is going to be the sign of Jonah. And I think it is so funny because how many people are just like enthralled with the weather and the changes in the seasons and all the things that like you can look around and know what's coming. Okay, like I feel like that's just like such a common thing. But yet some people who would like, I don't know, consider themselves like experts or know a lot about that or be enthralled by that can't even tell what is actually happening in front of them. You can't even tell the signs of the times in front of you. Um, and so that was just like, hmm, because they all they want is a sign. They want to be like awed by him or whatever, but they can't even tell who's right in front of them. They can't even tell the signs that are in front of him. And Jesus is just like, well, you won't even understand it even when the sign of Jonah like happens is fulfilled. It is interesting to me how often people are treating Jesus like a magician. Yeah. Like it's like, hey, please do this thing for me and then I'll commit to you. I think it's actually easy to end up in a place where you're saying something like, I will commit to you. I will follow you. I will obey you if you just do this one thing for me. (laughs) And I think Jesus would say to us like, hey, you're getting the sign of Jonah. That's what you're getting. And the sign of Jonah is one, he was in the belly of the whale, the fish, sorry, Mm -hmm. fish, uh, (laughs) three days. And then he emerged. But two, it was repentance. Like he walked through the city and he said, repent. And the people did what? They repented. They didn't ask for miracles. They didn't ask Mm -hmm. like, hey, if you uh, turn this bread into, if you turn this rock into bread, then we'll, we'll repent. Like they were like, oh my word, God wants us to repent. Mm-hmm. And so I think we oftentimes can accidentally find us and find ourselves in the same place. And I think also people who are actually lost, people who are far from God, I think it's very common to find them in that kind of a place. Mm-hmm. Like, hey God, I, like I'm sick. I need your help right now. And like, if you, if you heal me, I will submit to you. Oh, God healed you. Did you submit to him? No. Oh God, you know what? I'm having this issue <laughs> in my family. Like if you fix my relationship with me and my wife, I will submit to you. Okay. He did. Did you stop sinning? No. And Yikes. like, Jesus doesn't love that kind of stuff. So then we move into this next section of chapter 16. This is probably like shortly after they leave the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Jesus is with his disciples kind of warning them about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the disciples pretty much cling to one word, 
that being leaven. So they hear this word and all of a sudden they're like, shoot, we forgot to bring the bread. How often have you seen God provide and you know God provided and now you're in a new situation and scenario and you are hesitating being like, ah, I don't know. Will he do it? Like, I feel like Jesus would say the same thing to us. Like, seriously, guys, seriously, do you not remember the time that I like pulled a job for you out of thin air because you were afraid of being unemployed? <laughs> like, do you seriously not remember the time you were facing like incredible sickness and I healed you? Do you seriously not remember the time that you had a crazy financial need and a check showed up in the mailbox for no reason? Like, seriously, you don't mm-hmm. think I'm going to take care of you? So it's, it's interesting how there's like two messages being played out here. One is because of the disciples kind of like incompetency in this moment. But it's like, first, beware, because he does say, how is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, basically meaning beware of their teaching because they will try to distract you and cause you to fall away from what is true and Mm what um, you need to believe about God and Jesus. At the same time, he's reminding them too, like, I will provide for you. Like, bottom line, like, you don't have bread. whoop de doo I will provide for you always. Mm-hmm. Um, like, basic needs. You just need to trust me. But at the same time, there's going to be other things, too. Like, yeah. those spiritual things where, like, referring to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you have to be on your toes for those things, yeah. too. So, like, trusting God in the physical and the spiritual all in the same lesson. Here's a super tangible takeaway that I want to challenge you guys with if you find yourself struggling uh, with this because I myself struggle with this. Like, actually, like, uh, uh, those examples, like, they're not, those are examples that have happened to us that meant a lot to us. Mm-hmm. And, like, recently, I, I've been in a place where I'm like, I don't know, like, does Jesus really want us to take that level of obedience, that kind of step? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it is literally like, wow, like, I remember when I was without a job for two days and God gave me a new job, like out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And like, that was God. But here I am just, I mean, literally what, like four or five months later. And I'm like, I don't know, like, will Jesus take care of us if we're like obedient here? Like, of course he will. (laughs) Of course he will. So a really tangible takeaway. um, If you struggle with this, I want you to put and like really do this. I want you to make a list somewhere, somewhere in your house where you will see it often of the times that you know that God showed up for you and provided for you, because I want you to look at those things um, when you are experiencing some kind of new step of obedience that seems challenging. Like I want you to be able to reference those things and remember how God has been faithful to you and know that he will continue to be faithful to you. And whenever we don't take those steps of obedience, we actually rob him of the opportunity to show us how he cares for us and takes care of us. So that's extra credit. You should do that today. If <laughs> if you struggle with that, you should do that today. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy to forget those things too. Uh, it feels like so incredible in the moment. And you're just like, wow, God has done this. And then there are times actually in our life and it's like, oh my word, do you remember when that yeah. happened? And it's easy to forget. So having that listed and posted somewhere is actually the, quite helpful. The last time I went through a really challenging job transition, um, I had a I had a chalkboard. You might remember this in the basement, uh, in the office in the basement. We had like a chalkboard wall, mm-hmm. and I had a list of things that was like I was afraid of this. God took care of me this way. I was afraid of this. God took care of me this way, and it actually gave me like a boldness to be like, nope, I am not gonna mm-hmm. compromise. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm gonna trust the Lord will care for us, and the, the, of course, the Lord has cared for us, mm-hmm. and the Lord will care for you as well. And sometimes so, it doesn't always look the way that you think it is either. Like right. we were we were definitely taken care of, but it was like, oh, wasn't expecting that. I, I would actually say we were taken care of much better than we would have been if we would have planned it out on our own. Yeah, yeah. Like God has this incredible way 
of yes, taking care of you in a way that is surprising and out of what you thought, but also being better, much better than what you thought. Uh, and I've seen that, I'm, I don't know, for me, like I see it a lot in job transitions in my G just because I'm a guy and I think about that kind of stuff like a lot, maybe, I don't know. But like I've seen God provide in other ways, but those ways are really meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I have no question that he's been doing that. I think for me, it's been more of like a, a surrendering thing. Like yeah. I don't have to be in control of all of these things because one, I have God in control of my life. I don't need to grasp those things so tightly. And also like, in our marriage, it's been very helpful to just be like, hey, we're here like to team this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to be better than you. You're not here to be better than me. Like we're here to to work together. So that's been an interesting thing. Too. It is interesting. And I think guys like I think you will experience this, too, in your own lives. But as we together have been like, I think God actually wants us to live the way he says we should live. Weird. The more we do that, the more he actually does provide us in a supernatural way. And we end up with things aligned better than we could have when we were trying to grind it out ourselves mm-hmm. um so anyway there's a lot more here that we need to get to <laughs> i wasn't sure if we were going to move on to that that's why yeah I mean. let's do it um i i love the next story the story is about caesarea philippi and the reason i love this story is because you have to actually know the geography and the location to understand what's going on so historically uh this has been a challenging passage because this would be a passage um, that some people use to say like Peter is literally the first pope. He has more authority than the other disciples. When when Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, he is talking specifically about Peter uh, in the papal sense, meaning he is the first pope of the Church of Rome. Um, the tricky thing about this is when Jesus says these words, he is at Caesarea Philippi. And what you need to know is that Caesarea Philippi was like this center of pagan worship. Like it was a very disgusting place. Uh, for extra credit, you can look up a picture of it or something. I'm sure you can Google it and find it. <laughs> um, but it's like this this open kind of mouth of a cave um, with a bunch of idols that are carved into the stone around it. And there is a high point where you can stand and look over all of it. And I believe that that is where Jesus was standing with his disciples. So there's a lot of really interesting things here. Uh, Jews would never have gone here because this was like an incredibly wicked place. Uh, Gentiles were worshiping their idolatrous gods, which is, of course, um, not allowed to Jews, but also they were practicing all kinds of pagan sacrifice. So there's like blood everywhere. There's death everywhere. Um, It is known historically that there was human sacrifice practice there. uh, And there was like out of the mouth of the cave came like this river. There's still like water that comes out of there. I don't think it's like a gushing uh, river anymore, Uh, but the water would come out of there. And the way they would do human sacrifice is that they would kill a person and throw them into the water. Now, keep in mind, the water is coming out of the cave. As it normally does. As water does. And the idea was if the person was thrown in the water and came back out, the gods had rejected that sacrifice and you had to repeat the human sacrifice. So this is not a great place to be. Like this is not somewhere Mm -hmm. you just like, you know, wander in and especially not Jesus and his disciples just wander in. And they called the mouth of that cave, the place where the river came out, they called it uh, the gates of hell, the mouth of hell. So what Jesus is doing here is it's like a play on words of the actual location. It's like this incredible object lesson where Jesus went on a hike with his disciples to visit the gates of hell. And he's saying on this rock, he's standing on a rock, like Mm -hmm. the whole place is very rocky. On this rock, I will build my church and what? The gates of hell, what you see in front of you, 
will never overtake my church. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is there are now churches, Christian churches, worshiping Jesus all around the world, and people are not throwing people into the gates of hell anymore. Like, that has come true in some sense. It's obviously not completely universally true. It will be, uh, but it is not currently. So this is like a figure of speech that's going on here. Uh, Certainly, he is giving Peter some kind of authority, but he's also giving authority to his disciples, his followers, and he's ultimately speaking about the power of the church of Christ. Like the church of Christ is going to move forward. It is going to overcome all wickedness and sin, and it will have reign over all the earth. Mm-hmm. So super powerful story, what comes out of that. I think actually we have been to that said place and like, it's a beautiful, like it's a beautiful, natural, like it's a little rocky kind of, but it's so pretty, yeah. like the water and everything. And then as you're standing there and then you like, hear the history and what all is behind it it's just like holy cow it's like it's disgusting and it becomes instantly this place but it's it's crazy how jesus takes something horrible and turns it for his good purposes like you know what even this evil place will not be able to overcome what i'm going to do so then we move into this next section i think like peter and jesus kind of have this moment together where they're like understanding one another and like a different way like jesus kind of setting him up as like you have a really huge responsibility my friend well right before jesus says that on this rock i will build my church peter has a profession of faith that is you are the christ the son of the living god it's very direct it's very clear this is a clear profession of faith in jesus mm-hmm. and that's what causes um jesus to say on this rock i'll build my church so shortly after this time that jesus is talking to peter he begins to tell his disciples. He kind of is like gradually shedding these layers to them, revealing that one, he's the Christ, two, that he will be um, taken away to be killed, and that three, he will be resurrected. And it's really like probably shocking to them. Like, wait, what are you talking about? And Peter, after having, I guess, like this moment with Jesus, is like in what I would feel, I guess, like just really stunned, like, no, what are you talking about? That can't happen to you. Um, and Jesus actually calls him out right away. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. And what's crazy about this part is I've always heard it before, but it, it really makes a lot more sense to me now because Jesus is trying to tell him, like, I'm not going to coddle you. Like, this is going to happen. And your fear that you're believing is like it's coming up against what is like prophesied for humanity. So like, your fear cannot overcome what is going to happen. So like, get behind me, Satan. Stop trying to play these games. Um, and then right after that, we end the chapter um, with this whole section of Jesus telling his disciples that they need to take up their cross. So in this, this section where Jesus is talking to Peter about what's going to happen to him, he is talking to them about how he's going to lay his life down for like saving the rest of humanity from sin. In the second part, he says, if you want to live your life for me, you have to do the same thing. Like you have to lay down your life in order to follow me and in order to like live a life worthy of the calling. And so it's cool to me how these two passages are back to back. Cause oftentimes I think we, we often think about the, if anybody would come after me, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That comes right after Jesus is talking about how he is going to do the exact same thing. So there's plenty of your parts for today. I would say the first one is if you need to be reminded of the way that God has provided for you, make that list and put it up in your house before the day is over. The second thing is I would encourage you to actually seek to honor Christ above your own life. Like Jesus has this weird way of speaking where he's like, hey, if you want to find your life, you need to lose it. And if you lose your life, uh, you're going to find it. And so, I, I, I mean, when he's speaking to Peter, there's no question. Peter actually lost his actual life. Like he gave his life. He was crucified upside down so that people wouldn't confuse him with Jesus. Um, Jesus meant what he said. Now, I'm not encouraging you to necessarily live out that same way, but I am encouraging you to live out in that way that the gospel is so important to you, that serving Jesus is so important to you, uh, that that if that were to come up, that you would be willing to do so. And I know that that sounds a little bit crazy. Like, I actually have a hesitation in my spirit. Like, ah, should I tell people to do that? Uh, but that is the life that Jesus calls us to, to value him above life itself. And Jesus' message is when we honor him above life itself, we actually make life more valuable. We enjoy it more. Um, it's worth more to us, and it's worth more to others as well. Like we um, are followers of Jesus, one, because of Jesus, but two, because these apostles were faithful to what he called them to do. They actually did it. They served him well. And now many, many, many more people believe. So uh, I would encourage you. Um, to honor Christ above all things in your life. We'll be back again tomorrow with Matthew 17. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Matthew chapter 16. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came. To test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.